Hello, everyone, and welcome to Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and today's guest is a queen. She just slays at everything she does. She's a dancer who I would say like tap and modern contemporary is like her vibe, very groovy. She's an awesome performer, a great teacher, an all-around wonderful person. Please help me welcome wherever you're listening to Arlene Whitehead. So sweet. Arlene and I went to the same studio, kind of had her more as a teacher and mentor. So I just wanted to have you on because you have so many cool experiences, especially tap too, which I think is a dance form that is not often celebrated or recognized in the same way yes so are you ready (laughs) yes thank you for having me yes so beginning how did you get into the crazy dance world oh so many moons ago um (laughs) my well okay so starting from the beginning I was always kind of a shy quiet child and my parents had put me in a few different activities you know cross-country gymnastics but nothing really was you know that that thing that like clicked with me where you know my spirit just kind of like came out and I went into like full bloom and then um, my parents put me in a dance class at Darl Jervis Dance Studio which my mom actually grew up at the original studio and she took classes there from when she was a kid yeah all the way till she was 18 and that's how her and Brenda became close friends because they danced together full circle Um, very very full circle they enrolled me in classes when I was in kindergarten and I really enjoyed it still was doing some school extra extracurricular activities um, but there was something about dance I think more so with the music and the way I was able to express myself that I wasn't always able to do with words so that really resonated with me and then as I got older there was an opportunity to audition for the high voltage dance company yes (laughs) um so I tried out and I made the company I think I started at pre-juniors and that was like in fourth grade and from then on it was just it became my home it was you know a sanctuary for me like school was school and you know I I did well and you know did all of that and like would show up and do my homework but dance is where I felt like I really came alive and I just kept diving in deeper and it was about like at the end of middle school I would say where I was kind of like at a fork in the road of you know, do I really want to continue with dance, especially in high school, starting to think about college, or do I want to maybe pursue something else? Because I, I wasn't sure how much I really liked it, or like my talent level at the time, like I was not, like looking back, like I didn't think I was that great. And especially with tap, like I actually hated tap. It <gasps> what? Just, it, it was just really hard. And it didn't make sense to me. So I think it was my eighth grade year, Miss Brenda, she pushed me and gave me a challenge to be in like the senior tap technique class. And she was like, if you can learn the choreography by recital, then you can be, you know, in the dance and perform with the group. And I think that push and her seeing the potential in me that I didn't see in myself 
really showed me like was a mirror that like I could do this like if I really work at it and uh, surround myself with people that believe in me and I can learn from them then I can really you know hone whatever this was inside of me and like just go for it and then I did that and it's just like I just kind of took off I was like this is it this is all I want to do this is what sets my soul on fire and from there I you know, would travel to LA in the summers and take classes. Um, and I started developing a close um, mentorship with Brenda's daughter, Brooke, who would come out and teach at the studio a lot. And she also kind of became like a big sister to me and took me under her wing and um, introduced me to uh, different teachers and choreographers in LA. So it was a nice bridge for me from, you know, Toledo, Ohio to LA. And it really helped my training grow and then bring that back to the studio and kind of help uplift the, the other dancers that I was performing with. Cause I loved teaching and, you know, kind of being a leader or nurturing. Like I kind of always had that, especially with having two younger sisters. I saw me stepping into this light as not only a great opportunity for myself, but um, for other people too, that I could help uplift them along the way. I think that's a really cool doll Jervis. Shout out to doll Jervis. Like what a creative oh, hub, yeah. what a creative hub for dancers. And I think like, you know, we're all doing our thing. But I think we can all come back to that studio. It is a home. So mm-hmm. talk about a little more with tap. So you hated it at first, but how did you go <laughs> to like it? I think the light bulb switched when I realized that I could make music with my feet and that it sounded good and I could feel that vibration through my body. I think like everything aligned and I was like, oh, like that's what they mean when you're sitting in the pocket. And I was able to be in control of that. And I am a little bit of a control freak at times. So I think I liked that too. (laughs) And so the music of it and just, you know, the different speeds and it, it was so athletic and, and there's so much history behind it too that I learned as I um, continued to dive deeper into it. And then I think the specific experiences that really propelled me in that direction of becoming very skilled in tap and it kind of being an area of expertise is I had uh, two solos in in high school and I mean learning that choreography and then you know with tap like you're the only one on stage so you can hear if you you know you miss feet. a step or not <laughs> like if you are not with it like people are gonna know yeah. um, and so that definitely put a pressure on myself to a point where I would get really frustrated and sometimes be asked to, you know, leave the rehearsal room because I would be so focused on one sound. (laughs) But I think that those experiences, it was such an intimate time with myself that it just, it was like the perfect combination. And I felt super empowered and really strong. And, you know, you can get out a lot of aggression, you know, on the wood and, and you can tap dance to pretty much every single kind of music and I and I love music and you know finding new new sounds and new artists and so it just felt like the perfect vehicle to keep exploring. Why do you think 
I feel like yeah, that's going to be the answer. No, yeah. I, I, why do you think, because I, I didn't really mm-hmm. take tap, but it was always around our studio, but growing, growing up and getting older, it's not, like we talked about, it's not really recognized as, I don't know, is, what is your take on that? Um, well, it can definitely be controversial. A lot of it's in how tap was presented to the public um, when it first, you know, became uh, a form of entertainment. And then as, you know, things were transitioning, you know, in the 80s with Gregory Hines and like Savion Glover and like bringing in uh, different tones and then, you know, voices and placing significance on uh maintaining that history, specifically the black history and tap dance and its evolution. I feel like there was like, it kind of like people pulled away from it. It wasn't as like flashy, you know, like not that that isn't um, important. Like it was very crucial to how tap unfolded, but it just seems that people's intentions, I think, from my understanding, it seems like intentions were not the same. So then understandings of it were, there was like a a spectrum, you know? So if your intention is to just like hit some steps and, you know, do, 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 then that's only one understanding. And I think because of how important it is to the black culture, especially, you know, as a dance that was created out of oppression and expressing themselves that intention got misconstrued and I think over time you know things get blurred and then um, lost in the cracks and I feel like as an unfortunate consequence tap dance was a victim of that and I do think it is becoming more recognized but it is you still have to look you have to kind of be looking for it. Like, it's not like thrown in your face as like some of the other dance styles, you know, that we would see on like, so you think you can dance, you know, as an example. So it does take a little bit of um, narrowing in on like where you want to look and then it's there. But yeah, it's like, it's it didn't die. I just think people weren't, you know, about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And at our studio, there was such a love and passion for it and what it's always been. And I think that just like came into my system and I was just like, oh, I gotta stay with this because it just, <laughs> you know, it's like, it was like a drug, you know? I, like, like a tap I fever get, at the studio. Yeah, like, I wanna get the, into tap. <laughs> the fever, I caught the fever and I couldn't get enough of it. So I think with within, you know, people thinking like, tap went away or, or you know there's a resurgence right now I think a lot of its intention and integrity were not always clear or thought about over time you know and I'm not like a huge famous person on tap dance but that would be <laughs> what I've gathered over mm-hmm. the years yeah you know because you've been with it and you you know those places and you know what's mm-hmm. you know true about it and all those things 
so shifting now, you made that decision to study dance in college. So Mm -hmm. you also did, you said exercise science as well? Yes, I double majored with uh, dance, performance and choreography and exercise science for two years um, with the intention of, you know, eventually going to PT school and, you know, being a dancer. But when I was there in the program, I really just wanted to focus on the BFA because OU had a, a really great composition program and I loved performing. Um, but I didn't really know anything about making dance and how to put a work together that wasn't just like, you know, a count of eight and you would repeat it on the other side, like something that, you know, was, um, that had meaning and purpose. And that was also innovative. So I really wanted to focus on that and be 100% invested in the program. So I dropped the major, told my parents, like, I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to focus on dance right now. And they said, you know, they've always said, do what makes you happy, you know, and we will support you. So Mm -hmm. I did that. And those four years were the best four years of my life. It was incredible. So talk about that choreography. I didn't know that you had an artist grant by anonymous donor. Yes. So I, I remember, I think it was a piece I saw at, um, what is that studio called? Dovetail? Was, uh, yes, we did a I, work in progress showing there. And, and then the full presentation was at the Dance Center at Columbia. And it's called Woven Recognitions? Yeah. So talk mm-hmm. about how you got this grant and then the process of this whole piece. I think it's really fascinating. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this is awesome (laughs) I loved it um it's actually interesting because I don't know how I got the grant like there wasn't an application process but it was through Chicago Human Rhythm Project which when I first moved here almost six years ago now I did an internship with them and worked on uh Rhythm World the big tap festival that they have annually you know, took a lot of classes there and was just really involved with that organization among other projects that I was doing in the city with other choreographers and um, trying to put my own work out there. And I think just a combination of all those things and me trying to, you know, extend branches and make connections to every single kind of dancer and, you know, maker in Chicago, I was a saying I was given a a grant to make a work and present it at the dance center at Columbia um, a performance uh, under the umbrella of Chicago Human Rhythm Project but it was my own work and so I had to think about what I wanted to make (laughs) and and like when I got the call I was like what like am I being punked right now (laughs) yeah like It just came out of nowhere. Like I got the call that I, you know, was given this, you know, $4,000 grant to make, to make a work. And I was like, say what, "Um, say what, like, (laughs) okay. And, you know, they asked like, would you be interested in doing that and like showcasing it? And I was like, yes, of course. Like, that's incredible. Like I felt so honored. And like, to this day, like, I don't know who the donor was. I think they might have been there at the performance, but it wasn't that I can recall. I don't remember meeting anybody 
specifically. Um, but maybe I did, you know, in the in the heat of the performance and everything I did. So extending gratitude to whoever that person is. So I started thinking about what I wanted to make and I knew I was, I had always been interested in um, the conversation between tap dance and modern and contemporary, like how those worlds existed in my brain because they started to seem fluid for me and how I was moving and the way I was thinking about them. And so I wanted to try to find a way to transpose that to the stage and it was definitely an experiment <laughs> and I used material that I made in college with a work that I was really proud of and did well at ACDFA and so I used some material from that as like a, a base for like the movement vocabulary and then I would explore tap dancing um, you know in conversation with that a lot of improvising, um, a lot of times where I was like, that looks really cheesy and like garbage. So let's try it again. <laughs> but it was definitely, it, it's still a work that I would love to revisit again because it, it took a lot out of me. But I think there, I think what came out of it was a good foundation and potential for exploration. And I was super inspired by Doran Stance, who I saw at the MCA during like the year and a half that I was working on this work. And I was like, oh, that conversation and how they, you know, have different genres, you know, come in and out while they're tap dancing. And it was honoring them versus it looking like, like a mockery or like appropriating mm -hmm. another style. Um, it was very well done and intentional. And so I, I tried to keep that in the back of my mind was, as like, how could I do that? Especially presenting it like in front of Chicago, yeah. <laughs> which is like a tap hub. Yeah. So that pressure, you know, was on. And then I like doubled it because I'm hard on myself, but I had a good cast. Like yeah, I had who, my sister. Yeah. Who are your cast? Um, so I had my sister, Azri Goodrum. It's her married name now. Yes. <laughs> and then I had uh, Liz Conway, uh, Zach Bird. Let's see. And then Ethan Sherry, my fiance. Yes. Also a tapper. Um, hey, tap goals. Also a tap dancer. Yes, <laughs> we met in tap class. Um, but that can be a whole other chat. <laughs> um, I feel like that's it. I'm yeah, I think it was just four, like the three modern dancers, and then Azri was the one that could go back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, so there were moments in the piece where she would put her tap shoes on and, you know, doing a duet in conversation with Ethan as they would travel across the stage. It was a really special time. And I think that I was able to communicate some of the ideas in my head and how these styles are important to me. But I still think there's um, more investigation that can be done. Anyone listening, refining. please help my yeah, girl in. Like, <laughs> the, the, work is, the work is never done. And that's what I have learned to love about choreography is it's never finished. You know, there's always yeah. something more that you can do to play with it and remix it or flip it upside down, you know. Yeah, like you said, it's an ongoing process. And, you know, as you grow, the piece grows and can grow mm -hmm. with you. So yes amen that, that's so cool what other um choreography projects have you been a part of or that have you created 
Um, some of your favorites. See. Some of my favorites. Um, so I made a work for Thaw, presented like through Lynx Hall. It's an annual fundraiser to support Lynx Hall and its community of artists. Thaw. Okay. Thaw. Yeah. So I submitted an idea for Thaw and I had some movement that I had been playing with, but I was really intrigued about this idea. And I feel like you can relate to this. I loved floor work. Like being yes. on the floor is- Yes. Probably I don't know because, what it like, is. It's so I fun. Think it's Cause like, I love being lazy sometimes and just like mm-hmm. laying down. But the floor is, it just, I don't know. There's just, you can have such a beautiful relationship with the floor when you learn how to find those, like how to counterbalance your body while being at a low level and using the floor as like a duet partner, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was my idea and my piece got in and it, I titled it here now. And I created a trio and the entire like five to six minute work was completely on the floor. Mm. Like they did not come above like mid-level, like maybe, you know, like in a crawl position or like a low lunge, but never fully vertical and mm. definitely a workout for your quads and your <laughs> flexors. But I was really proud and excited for that work. I didn't have any sound for the performance. So they did it completely acapella, which... I tried to have some rhythmic changes in there, you know, whether it was like slapping the floor or really making sure I paid attention to speed just so it wasn't monotonous for an mm-hmm. audience watching, you know, a modern contemporary piece with no sound because um, you can kind of check out. So it was a great exploration and it was my first brand new work that I made post-college and that was before woven recognitions. It sounds like your process is a little bit either you have some movement or you have a concept or an idea and you kind mm-hmm. of build off of that. Yes there's always some kind of listening to my body or like doing some kind of research whether it's reading and you know picking up on the words and then seeing what imagery come from that or like texture. Texture is really big for me whether like I'm feeling different things, like I feel something that's really smooth or really prickly. And then I try to embody that. And then movement comes from that. Or if it's more conceptual, like I was doing with um, the body, like I'll just study all the different functions that are possible from that idea. And then again, I'll look at like, okay, what kind of rhythm could come from that idea and then I'll take some notes on that and explore that as I'm saying this I think I like clue into how all of my senses are engaged and then the movement kind of just comes from there it seems like my teacher always talks about dance as research like either you're researching your body or internally Mm -hmm. I think that is evident through your process which I like Oh, and I also look at the space, like where it's being performed. Oh, yes, yes. And um, almost looking at it like a playground or an obstacle course. And that really informs how the piece moves, you know, literally across the stage and, you know, giving me barriers to work with or work around. So I really try to, you know, imagine this world in my head. And I do lots of drawings in my choreography notebooks and, you know, little Mm -hmm. stick figures and draw maps (laughs) for travel patterns and see, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And then 
you know, trying to incorporate improvisation too, because I can be a planner and be, like I said, a little bit of a control freak, but I also like to have that spontaneity. Shifting from choreography to performing. Talk about some of your, I have, I, I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> your recent one is Same Planet. Right before COVID, um, mm-hmm. I had my last performance uh, with Same Planet Performance Project led by uh, Joanna Reed. And it was absolutely incredible. I mean, the feeling that I get when I'm on stage is, I just feel alive and like this, this other spirit just comes out of my body and like takes over. I finally got that opportunity and it was incredible. And it was very collaborative, which is my preference when working with choreographers as I, I like the conversation and, you know, ideas bouncing off each other. Little did I know that it was going to be the last time that I was performing for a while, but I have no regrets. Like I felt uh, like I had complete agency over my body. So that was an awesome experience. And then over the last several years, I've had um, the opportunity to work with Kelly Anderson and her company, Kelly Anderson Dance Theater. It was just a great time. And it was a challenge for me because she incorporates a lot of um, text, like a comedic spin on her work, as well as being very compositionally pleasing. So it was using different parts of my brain that I would like put on mute, you know, when I'm on stage, like I'm not going to be talking while I'm dancing. (laughs) So it was a really good uh, skill for me to work on and acquire. And I loved how her works, they were just so seamless and, you know, they'd make you laugh and make you cry and make you think about what's going on in the world. And we did a show called The End Is Here and it was so fun. We (laughs) had performed it quite a few times at Lynx Hall and then we did it um, the following year in Milwaukee. And it was one of those shows that it just, it was different every time and it it got better every time just because Mm -hmm. like, we're all in our own little world and, you know, talking with one another on stage and, you know, if someone misses their line and you're in the moment, like you just start laughing and then, you know, you just kind of have to go with it. That's hilarious. So lots of different paths. Yeah. And a lot of different people you've worked with and like processes that you've been a part of, which I think informs your own process as, or as a choreographer or performer and teacher. I have to remind myself that everyone's dance journey is different you can start, you know, at a studio and then you can, you know, go to college. Maybe you don't go to college. Maybe you're in a company. Maybe you're not in a company. I think that's okay. You know, everyone's on their own journey and you can't, you know, compare yourself. And yeah. And just to add on to that, um, it's okay to take a break. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean you stop being a dancer, you know, or an artist like that will always be a part of you. You could, you know, work on your technique and like relearn that but like the spirit and the passion that you have I don't think that that ever goes away Mm. you know um and there have been times where I've had to step away and like most recently you know it's like I have nothing left in me to say like I feel like I've said everything I can creatively that I've learned at this point and I don't know how to say anything else and so I need to kind of shut things down so I can check in with myself 
And that's when I knew I was burned out was like, you know, everything felt hard, you know, whether it was just making a simple phrase for a class or, you know, coming up with a full piece, you know, or like, I'm just doing it to get a check. Like mm. the, my intentions were starting to get all discombobulated. And I was like, I need to pull back and check in with Erlin and see, you know, what she wants, where she wants to continue to go. And like, what is it that, what is it that made me fall in love with this and, you know, fall back in love with it again. Mm. And so I think just like listening to yourself and noticing those patterns of, you know, self-doubt and, you know, um, negative thinking and exhaustion. And, you know, like if you're tired of the hustle, like just, you know, like you can hit the eject button, like you are in charge (laughs) of your life. Yeah, Um, it's very true. I do recommend like having some kind of plan or idea, you know, like where you want to be while you're in your incubator, but you will figure it out and you have enough people around you to support you, you know, as you know, like it's something you've been doing for your whole life. So, you know, it got to a point where I was like, who am I without dance? And I didn't know how to answer that question. I had this discussion with a classmate of mine in college. She's doing her research on like athletics and what happens you take the sport away what happens when you take dance away like it's okay you have to find something else like even with this mm-hmm. pandemic when I'm, I finished college and I'm not taking dance 24 7 you have to think oh my gosh who am I without dance yeah it's an important question I think that everyone should face because yes it could always be there but yeah I don't know I think that's just well a- and it's gonna look different every year and as you get older and I think the more that you can, you know, listen to that question and um, answer it and be okay that your answer is going to be different, the more you're going to continue to grow. The fire, you know, it's always been there since I was young, but my relationship with it is different than, you know, what it was just a few years ago, definitely different than what it was when I was 20. And the more that I can embrace that and see that 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 is okay, then the relationship actually gets better and I have more fun. And your body changes. Like, (laughs) I've had my fair share of injuries and like still dealing with them. So that is another hurdle, you know, that dancers and athletes and anybody that, you know, uses their body in a very repetitive way, you know, that is something you have to acknowledge too. Mm -hmm. How can you reframe what you love in a new way that you can do it where, you know, it makes sense for where you are in time and space. You had this burnout moment a little bit and then <laughs> yeah. you decided, oh my gosh, teaching. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, Erlin has always been the best teacher when I was younger. I learned about Neo. Like I just remember yeah. what, <laughs> like yes, her, Neo. her love for Beyonce and her floor work. <laughs> you taught a lot of different places. Yeah. A lot of different types of kids. Yes. What, after all these experiences, what is the role of a teacher and what is your own teaching philosophy? Oh, man. (laughs) Get in the deep questions. (laughs) I know. I am like answering in the moment. Like I don't get like a week to. Yeah. (laughs) I never tell my guests Um, the questions before. So I like a instinctual answer. (laughs) Okay. The role of a teacher is someone that uplifts the student, 
recognizes that students' capabilities, you know, specific to them, you know, very unique and try to facilitate the growth where the student can see that potential and love on themselves and believe in themselves as much as the teacher does. Be that safety net, maybe that confidant, maybe that anchor that is not always present outside of the classroom. That teacher, the role is to be a role model, you know? Um, my favorite teachers are the teachers that I looked up to because they also not only were incredible at teaching and like their uh, talent, you know, like they were very talented and skilled at what they were teaching, but they also showed their heart. They let you get to know them and, you know, like just finding that that bridge where you can develop that trust is really important. And so teachers are, you know, they are like bow down, you know, like <laughs> the role of the teacher is it's, it's ever changing, you know? And so you have to be adaptable too and be a really great listener, you know, and like pay attention to the body language because especially with young kids, as they're growing and changing, there are so many things that they don't have the ego strength to communicate, you know? So it's like, how can you help them get through these, you know, internal battles without knowing what it is explicitly, you know, by just really paying attention to them and like letting go of your own ego, you know, like, you know, there are some teachers that like, it's all about them, you know? And like, you do need to love on yourself and have confidence, but you know, like when you are in the classroom, it is about, you know, the type of community that you can create. Um, because so. when a teacher walks in the room, that just, just walking in the room and how they are really affects mm -hmm. the students and how yeah. it's the environment they create. Yeah. Yeah, it's very important. So when you're teaching, do you, there's this question I always have of, is it baptism by fire or step-by-step step holding their hand, but take a little more time or do you just throw something at them? Or is it a little bit of both? It's definitely a little bit of both. And then sometimes it's, you know, one extreme or the other extreme. It's subjective to who I'm teaching and where I'm teaching and the point of my, like, Yes. why I'm being, being brought in. So if it's like a one-time thing, you know, like a, a workshop or, um, you know, just like a guest class, you know, like a lot of it's just going to be like, I'm going to throw it at you and I want to see what you can pick up. Um, because mm -hmm. in those moments, like, you know, the students, they have to let go of their, learn how to let go of their insecurities and just trust what they know and go for it, you know? And there's a lot of learning that can happen in a situation like that. Or if I have the opportunity to be with students over an extended period of time, there are times where I, I want to hold the student's hand and work with them through the process so they can see those light bulb moments for themselves because I see them. But 
helping them develop that self-awareness that like, oh, I got it. And like, that felt amazing. Or that was really hard. How do I not do it like that? Like, you know, um, I like to move slow through those things, but I also like a little push, Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of that speaks to how I was taught. You don't want to coddle the students too much because then they don't really develop a sense of self. And that, not just as a dancer, but as a human being, you know, like, who are you and how do you exist in the world, you know, but, you know, you also want, like, some discipline and, like, learning how to set boundaries and respond to expectations, Mm -hmm. but I always keep in mind, you know, who I'm teaching, because every class is different, every kid is different. So you're going to teach at the Latin school again, like, full-time? Yes. So the Latin School of Chicago is an independent school here in the city. They have junior kindergarten through 12th grade. So they have a lower school, a middle school, and an upper school. And I will be uh, teaching and essentially directing the middle school dance program. So that's fifth through eighth grade. I had the opportunity during the 2018-2019 school year to be the sabbatical replacement for Um, the teacher and uh, she'll be retiring so I was offered the position and I accepted and I'm really looking forward to continuing some of the ideas that I presented when I was there and really continuing to build the program so it flows seamlessly into the upper school dance program which is spearheaded by professor that I had in college and a mentor And now she's becoming a close friend, Adriana Durant. So that has been a very full circle and beautiful relationship that um, has been evolving. So she was like one of my, not one of my first, but um, she was a composition teacher for me at OU, as well as, you know, she taught modern and ballet technique classes. I'm really excited to put my stamp on mm-hmm. uh, the middle school dance program and hoping to incorporate more tap. I say so it. you can create the curriculum around that middle yeah. school. Pro- wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's really fifth cool. through fifth through seventh grade, they are required to take um, at least one trimester of dance, and then in eighth grade, the students are able to make uh, decisions whether they want to, you know, focus more on band or chorus, or they want to continue to be in each of the different uh, performing arts and visual arts, you know, throughout their eighth grade year. Still having an element of creative movement and improvisation, you know, for maybe the younger grades and then starting to solidify that into some of the different dance techniques that I know and can teach them, you know, how they take a dance class, getting some tap dance in there um, and it's history and just like taking it to the next level. So yes, this is so great. I love it. Oh my gosh. I think you're the perfect person for that. And I think, yeah, including the history and then the creative movement. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Congrats. Thank you. I'm very excited. And like, it's, I've been reflecting a lot on how just, you know, a few years ago I was at like you know, the burnout phase. And I was like, I don't know if I want to teach again, because I don't know what to say anymore, you know, and now that I've had some time away from it, and some time with myself, 
um, to ask these questions, you know, and what interests me outside of the dance world and then how can I bring that into the classroom? I feel even more prepared and even more excited mm -hmm. to be working with kids again and help inspire them to be, you know, great artists and great people because the world needs more great people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I think we covered a lot today. I think, you know. We did. My voice is cracking. I know. I feel like this is the most I've had in a while. Yep. COVID quarantine. You got to stay home yes. and not talk to anybody. <laughs> I know. Uh, one last thing. I want to ask some rapid fire questions. So they're a little shorter. Oh, okay. Yes. I saw this on the other podcast and I was yeah. like, oh no. no. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Who or what inspires you? the first word that popped in my head was uh, my family, mm. you know, and everything that I've learned from them and continue to learn being with them, watching them. And, uh, you know, especially like who I am, you know, like I am a multiracial black woman in America. Mm. And so coming from different cultures and then having that come out of me and how I can express that and and be an inspiration for other students that look like me or you know whatever they're searching for um that all that stems from my family and I would not be where I am without their love encouragement and uh patience yes shout out to the whitehead family yes <laughs> <laughs> who is your favorite dancer to watch right now Ah, oh, watch right now. Well, she's been my favorite dancer to watch for a while, but uh, Dormisha Sumbri Edwards. She's a phenomenal tap dancer. And I had taken some classes from her when I went to the LA Tap Festival years ago and seen her perform and, you know, definitely watch her videos still to this day, whatever's on YouTube. And she just, is eloquent and fierce and like unapologetic and just her the way she hears music and rhythm is just mind-boggling <laughs> um and she's just an artist there's I feel like there's no one that I can think of right now like like her like she the way the way she just leaves her spirit on the wood is mm. um insane she's a legend um favorite tap step Right. <laughs> <Just a little>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love a good cramp roll favorite song to dance to right now because I know you love your music but what's like your right now right now I've been listening so Mad Lib has a new album out and I love dancing to pretty much every song on there but I've been recently obsessed with the song Hop Rock and it just it's super groovy has a nice you know punch to it and I feel like you know you can just like noodle and wave your way through it it feels mm -hmm. it feels so good so that's the most recent song but my go-to artist is you know Erica Badu describe your movement style in three words or less rhythmic mm -hmm. I want to say earthy mm. so like rhythmic. grounded earthy yeah, yeah. Neck, earthy, a little disjointed. Mm, I like that. The easiest and hardest part of what you do, whether it's teaching, choreographing, performing, you can pick anyone or all three. I think the easiest part is that 
it's an escape, you know, both dancing, performing, teaching, choreographing. It's an escape for me. It's a release. I can get away from whatever it is in my personal life that I don't really want to engage with. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the hardest part is I think some of the boundaries for myself because dance has always been my anchor and it's how I've identified myself you know how do I establish those boundaries so it's not always you know Erlin comma dance you know Mm. and having that separation that it is not all of me it is a huge part of me Um, and I think that is something that as I get older I'm exploring more and having to you know reshape those boundaries last question so when you're not dancing what do you like to do for yourself I love to read I'm a bookworm I love to like sit on my couch in the corner and just read a book and I also love cooking cooking Mm -hmm. um, has always been very therapeutic for me but definitely in, you know, quarantine and, you know, cooking more at home since we can't go out to eat. Um, I've realized how much I love being in the kitchen and using my hands and, um, you know, putting love into a meal, even if it's just, you know, making scrambled eggs and toast (laughs) or, you know, an elaborate dish where I'm following a very uh, strict recipe. Like I love cooking and how like my mind, you know, kind of goes quiet and I'm just, in the kitchen listening to some music and chopping and sauteing <laughs> and, and you probably know. tapping too at like you're probably choreographing while you're cooking <laughs> right it's just like a little tap chop dance yeah <laughs> well that is a wrap i think for this episode i think Ooh. there's a lot of good stuff in there you can follow erlin on instagram at erlin whitehead Uh, So first and last name, E-A-R-L-Y-N, Whitehead, just like it sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much again. This is perfect. I love it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This This was really beautiful. It was great to reflect and, you know, talk with you. And I'm so excited and proud of you and all that you're doing. So this was, this was great thank you for having me yes well thanks everyone for listening and uh stay tuned for another episode peace out